to get yourself organised here because otherwise I can't preach if everything isn't in the right spot, okay? You, you would not appreciate that very much. Well, yeah, today um, I get to talk about the topic, how do I recover from abuse? And, um, you know, before I really start, I actually had a, um, a scripture come to me in worship, and I don't know about you, but I really felt like, like I, I don't want to preach today. I just wanted to sit there in that worship time, and that was just incredible. I really felt the presence of God um, in a strong way. And um, the verse that I felt sort of came up in my spirit today was in Isaiah 42. Um, and from verse 1 it says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope. I love that picture of Jesus that he, we know that Jesus isn't always meek and mild, but sometimes he is strong and mighty and powerful. But this also says that a a bruised um, uh, reed he will not break, a smouldering wick he will not put out. And I think about those who have been through abusive situations or who are feeling a bit broken or in a, in a, in a low season in their life. And I, I love the sense that Jesus isn't going to abuse that trust today. He's not going to come in and, and just shake you and say, come on and get over it. He is going to be gentle and he's going to take his time because that's the sort of God that we serve. And so I want to say this morning, if... You know, we're talking about abuse, and if you're in an unsafe environment, if you're in a place in your life where, you know, you're like, I need help, I need to get out. What I don't want you to get today is just stay in there, stick it out. In fact, I want to be very clear from the start. If you are in an unsafe situation, get help and get out. Get out of an unsafe, abusive situation. Don't ever hear the message from church that we want you to just keep going, stick it out if you're unsafe. You know, that's quite different. If you're just in, a, in a, a situation that's a little bit uncomfortable, that's far cry different from abuse. Really what we are talking about today is being in a, in a position where you're, you're being abused. So what we would say is grab a friend. Maybe you're not strong enough to do it yourself. Grab a friend and, and get out. And if you have no friends, come and grab one of us pastors. We can be a temporary friend. Um, you know, get somebody. Get help. There is always somebody out there you are not alone. And we want you to get out of that situation. Um, abuse. You know, you ask the question, what is abuse? Abuse is an attempt to control the behaviour of another person. It is a misuse of power which uses the bonds of intimacy, trust and dependency to make the victim vulnerable. That's what abuse is. It's a, it's a misuse of power. It's about saying... I've got power over somebody. How can I manipulate, control, force, coerce them to do what I want them to do for my purposes? And, you know, what I want to do this morning is give voice to different types of abuse. Many people go through abuse and maybe you think, well, I don't have a voice or maybe I'm not accepted at Catalyst because this this is my type of, of abuse. And so I want to give a, a voice in Catalyst to different types of abuse this morning. So here's the different types of, of abuse that can happen. There's sexual abuse. 
physical, verbal, emotional, spiritual. Um, there's economical abuse. And there's many other different types of abuse that you can go through. Now, straight off the bat, here's my hope. My hope is that you will find a friend or somebody you trust and you will you'll get that person and you will say to them what your situation is. And that with the help of Jesus Christ, they will be able to walk you through to a place where you're, you're, you, know, you can experience healing. That's our hope. That's my hope that you would do that. And I don't think there's anybody in this room who wouldn't have a hope for somebody who's going through abuse to find a friend and get healing and go forward. But, you know, Jesus also has a hope for you as well. He has great hopes for you. And I love the fact that for many, many years, the world was waiting for the Messiah. That that's like another whole message, but the world was waiting for the Messiah. And when he came, he made this pronouncement about himself. And it was like, like his first sermon, you read in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. You know, if you, uh, if you have been abused, you actually feel... Um, like a prisoner. If you've been abused or a victim in some way, shape, or form, you feel emotionally poor. You, you finally you, you feel blind. And Jesus came to set those prisoners free, to set those who, are, who, those who are blind to give them sight. And I love the way that this verse really does show God's heart and Jesus' hope for people who are going through abuse. And so, you know, today this isn't going to be a 10-step program to how to make yourself better. You know, you cannot make you better. You know, what, what we can do is we can trust in Jesus, who is everything we need. And that's not just a cute little saying. It really is all about Jesus. This is not about, you know, you coming to a place and getting a, a good little self-help talk and scrubbing yourself clean and trying to make yourself better. That this is not what that's about. We are Christians who follow Christ. And we worship Christ. We love Him. And, and we should depend on Christ. We cannot make ourselves better. Certainly not good enough in God's eyes. But when we trust Him, we can, we can experience healing. And yet, as I was preparing for this message, I, overwhelmingly I've had this picture. And uh, it's a really, really simple picture, but I just can't shake it. I've had this picture of, of Jesus holding a little kid's hand and just walking along, just walking safely and securely. And I kind of thought, wow, that's a, that's a bizarre kind of picture. What does it mean? And, and as I've continued to prepare, I kept feeling like God is just there holding our hands. And maybe for some of you today, maybe you're not holding your father's hand. Maybe your, your concept of what a father is is broken. Maybe you're afraid to grab his hand because you think he's going to grab it and make you do what, what he wants you to do. But you know, our God is a loving Father and he, he, will, he will take our hand, but he won't force himself on us. Jesus will never grab you and make you do what he wants you to do, but he, he puts it out there, he gives you the offer. And he will take your hand and guide you to a place of healing in your life. And if that's you today, if you are in a position where you're saying, you know what, God, I, I 
I'm humble enough. I don't know if you could ever say you're humble. It's not an effective purpose. But you know what? You be humble enough, although Moses did say that he was the most humble man on the face of the earth, which kind of says he's arrogant. So it's kind of hard to figure that one out. But what we need to do is have humility and come down and say, God, I, I need you. God, I, I reach out and I want to take your hand. And, and I, I want you to lead me and to guide me. And, and God, I'm learning that you are safe. You know, I'm learning that even though you are all powerful and you are mighty and you, you, can, you can do so much by your force, but you have strength restraint and you're gentle and you have self-control and, and you have our best interests at heart. And I think that's what we've got to learn today. If you want to recover from abuse, if you want to recover from a situation that you found yourself in that you didn't ask for, you didn't ask to be in that position, but you've been abused. Somebody has forced power, un, un, you know, uninvited power on you, then I, I want to say to you, you can recover through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you hear nothing else, just hear that, yes, you can't fix you. There are some things you can do, but ultimately you can't fix you. Jesus Christ can fix you, and he wants to lead you to a good place. You know, I want to look at the life of Joseph this morning. Joseph in the Bible, was a character who went through some abuse of his own. He, um, at just a young age, like a teenager, he was hated by his brothers. Totally hated, and they were so jealous of him, they, they plotted to kill him. They, they wanted to murder him. And so they plotted on what they were going to do, and they wanted to kill him. And um, another brother spoke out and said, you know what, let's not, let's not kill him. I think he, he got the guilt. And let's not kill him. Let's throw him into a pit and at least this way we can sell him into slavery and get some, some money out of this deal. And so he was, um, he was hated. They wanted to kill him. They threw him into a pit. Then they, saw, they decided to sell him into slavery. Can you imagine how you would feel if you, your brothers had done this to you? you know, they had abused you. They had thrown you into a pit. They, they wanted to kill you. You were not the most popular kid in the family. You know, you would feel isolated and alone and, and sad and deeply hurt. You know, absolutely cut. You, you, could, you could excuse him for feeling a bit angry towards his brother, couldn't you, to his brothers? You could excuse him for feeling a bit hostile and like God owes him and like the world owes him because why should this happen? And God, how could you let this happen? And oftentimes that's the questions that we can ask ourselves in that situation, but that's not all that happened. He was then sold into slavery, thrown into a prison, and then falsely accused of rape. And then, you know, back into prison, and then he, he found himself in prison with the opportunity to get out, and the very people who said, we will, you know, we will remember you, we will let you out of prison, they, they totally forgot about him, and they left him in prison for the best we can tell about 13 years. And so here is, for the best part of Joseph's life, I think he was about 30 um, before things really turned around for him, for the best part of his life, he found himself in a situation where he was constantly abused, put down, frustrated, and it wasn't the best place to be. And so I want to ask you, how did Joseph respond through his abuse? The first thing is he had and an incredible sense of the bigness of God. 
So he could have been bitter and twisted, and trust me, I've been in those places before. I can feel my heart getting negative towards other people. I can feel myself hardening up and feeling like, God, you know, why would you allow this to happen? How could you make this happen? And yet Joseph actually has this amazing, incredible sense at the hugeness and the bigness of God in his situation. In Genesis 45, verse 8, he says to his brothers, So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Now I want to say, Joseph is a liar in that situation because, you know, they did send him there. They, they were the ones who threw him into the pit. They were the ones who plotted evil and violence against him. So what's happening here? How can he on the surface level actually, in a way, lie about what happened? And as Christians, you know what I'm missing right now. You know that he's not actually lying. You know that he's choosing to see a spiritual truth as opposed to a, a, a physical truth. He's choosing to see what God sees, what God's plan is for his abuse and his situation. And so Joseph chooses to see the bigness of God in his situation, and I find that amazing. I want to say today, that is not an easy thing to do. Maybe it was a marital situation where you found yourself abused. Maybe it was a a, a church um, spiritual situation. Maybe it was financial. Somebody controlled you through finances or emotional blackmail or, or physical or sexual abuse of some description. Whatever you've gone through, I want to say to you today, I am not standing here saying, well, just trust in the bigness of God. It's easy. What are you doing? What I want to say to you is, yes, you and I need to trust in the bigness of God, but it's not easy. It is not easy. And that's why this is not a little 10-step program to make yourself better. We need Jesus Christ. We need the power of Jesus Christ to help us to do the things that we cannot possibly do. The second point I've got here is that Joseph um, admitted honestly the sadness and the loss of his family. You know, we we have this amazing ability to block out um, pain, to block out trauma. You know, when you go through abuse, we have this ability to block it out and to stuff it down so far that it doesn't come out. And in a way, I think that's good. For a time, it's not a bad thing because that is sometimes our coping mechanism. It's the way we cope with pain and suffering and, um, and abusive situations. But there is a time to openly and honestly admit the pain and the suffering and there is a time to let it all out so that God can bring healing in our life. And Joseph knew the power and the ability to be able to say, I am broken and I am sad and I am experiencing loss and pain because of what I've been through. Um, We see this in Genesis 45, um, verse 1 and 2. It says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. He cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Now, first of all, he says, everybody get out, I'm going to get emotional. 
what are these things coming out of my eyes? What's, what's this stuff called emotions? That's kind of like how I frame emotions sometimes. Like, what's, what's this weird stuff? Not when I watch beaches, when I was sick for one week. I didn't think about that till now. Those of you who are then out of ribbing, I have popped over that. I will be the bigger person. Such a said person isn't here today, and I'll be kind and nice. So, you know, but you know, that's the way we can feel at times. But he was willing to mourn and weep. I didn't cry at Benjamin, I cried at Cliff. I didn't actually cry, there were strange feelings in my throat. Can't let it go. I'm being honest about my emotions and feelings. Uh, the other thing I want to say is that different cultures mourn differently as well. Um, I remember going to uh, my uncle's funeral, and um, you know what? I was pretty much like, very much like I am today, emotionally weird, and don't like to quiet stuff and let it all out. But you know, we go to this funeral, and, and it's my uncle, and standing there, and my aunties and, and, and the rest of them, we're, we're just screaming, and I mean, carrying on like crazy, like just blood curdling screams, and then. They were like jumping into the grave. My dad was holding them back, and like it's this whole story. He lost money in the grave. It was all this kind of crazy stuff. And he's like, "You're still taken from me, my brother-in-law," and all this kind of crazy stuff. They were screaming and carrying on because that's how they mourn. It's full on. It's expressive. It's huge. But oftentimes we don't allow emotion. You know, in our culture, we're sort of a bit like, "Oh yeah, so you're feeling some pain. All right, just." Get over it. You'll be right. Now, that's not all bad, but Joseph knew how to express the emotion when it needed to be expressed. He wasn't crying and carrying on for 30 something years. That's the other extreme. He wasn't just, it didn't overwhelm his every being, but at this point, it was appropriate for something to come out. It was appropriate to. As we're reading in the book at the moment, it was appropriate to go backwards in order to go forward. And a lot of the times, you don't even realise it, but you're trying to get forward in life, but you've actually got like an elastic band trapped around you, and you're trying to go forward, and you actually are, but you will have a limit to how far you can go. And oftentimes, God just wants us to go backwards, cut that thing off, bring some healing, and move forwards. It doesn't mean that we're going to go back here and experience the pain of that abuse for the rest of our life. We go there for a season, we allow God and His grace to deal with that situation so that we can move forward and, uh, and go on. My third and final point is that Joseph rewrote the script of his life. Did you know that we all have scripts? We all have like a little um, voice, a little thing that, that sort of speaks to us all the time. Um, you know, oftentimes it can be, um, you know what, you're, you're all alone. Maybe for some reason that's that's one of those things that plays out in your mind. That's actually, to be honest, that's actually one of mine. Uh, you know, I, I know where that's come from. I've you know, dealt with some of those things in my past, but I know that for me, when I get down and when I'm feeling like that, you can, you can feel like, you know what, you are, you are all alone. You just got to make this happen. You just got to keep going. Now, that's, that's the script that we've got in our mind, and your script will be different. Maybe Joseph's script could have been, my life is just a waste. You know, it's playing over and over again. I'm, I'm just worthless. I can't trust anyone. I'm all alone in this world. But he didn't do that. He chose to believe something else. He chose to believe that his life 
wasn't a waste, that God had a bigger plan for his life. He chose to believe that which was true, not that that he had sort of just thought of himself. And you can understand why he would think those things. It would make sense, but it's not the best thing for you. Let me say this. Before I'm about to invite a very special guest up here on the stage, um, but before I do, I want to say this. You know, you... You can wallow in your abuse and your pain. There's actually something quite, I don't know how to explain it, there's something quite empowering about wallowing in your abuse. I I don't psychologically know the ins and outs of all that. I'm just telling you from experience. There's something empowering about wallowing in your pain. But, and everybody who knows your situation and who knows what you've been through can probably say to you, you know what, you deserve to feel that way. You deserve to, to, to wallow, you know, they hurt you and they did this and they did that. You know, whenever people are getting around you and just stroking your ego and just saying, keep following, keep doing this thing, that person abused you, that's right, that's right, that's right. I want to say, maybe they're okay for a little while, but don't stay around those friends. Because the truth is, you may deserve to wallow, but it's not the best thing for you. You may deserve to wallow, you may have been through something painful and hurtful, but God is standing there with his hand ready for you to reach out. And he doesn't want you to stay where you are. God wants to bring you to redemption and healing and, and, and you know, great things in your life. God doesn't want to leave you over there because he is your father and he's a good father. And he doesn't want to just leave you sitting there wallowing in your pain. You know, in the sovereignty of God, he allowed us to go through our painful situations. You know, you think, why would God do that? For whatever reason, God doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to carry you through to a better, incredible place. You know, I was able to chat with, uh, with Barbara. Can you give her applause as she comes up on the stage on our Barbara Esselman? We're going to have an interview. Um, you know, I really came off this point with Barb because she is somebody who I've seen um, do this really, really well. So maybe we can get this down, take it off a bit of the and we'll come over to our little interview station. Do you like our interview station? kind of cool. So um, there's all these lollies and things up here, so feel free to get into it. How are you feeling, Bart? Enraged. I've got mixed fish. I feel underprepared. I feel like I should have tissues. Yeah. Andrews? Maybe. That could freak me out just a little bit. You know, Bart, we had a chat a couple of weeks ago now. And you, um, you really started to share quite a bit about bringing the issues of abuse out into light. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rather than holding them in, in the darkness, um, you know, I suppose where we've got power over them, bring them out into the light. Can you explain that a bit for us? And even what does that feel like to, to actually that, bring, that first time bring it out into the light? Okay, I'll try. One of the pressures for people who have been abused is that they're not to tell anyone, that they've got to keep it quiet, keep it secret, don't tell, um, don't tell, or I will, or don't tell. So the emotional pressure that that puts on somebody who has been abused is huge. It brings things like guilt, shame, thoughts of it's my fault, I can't do anything right. Um, all that. So, and, and what have I, what have I done wrong? What have I done? It's a life that 
where you become enclosed in this dark room where you don't tell anyone a life of fear, and that's what I call being really kept in the dark. Um, Jesus says in John 3.20, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. So that's where the perpetrator of any type of abuse would have you. They don't want you, they want to keep, in, keep everything in the dark. Um, but we know who the light is. Um, in John 12:46, Jesus said, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness. And that's what Jesus wants for us. That's what Jesus wants for anybody who's been abused, mm-hmm. is to get out of that darkness into his light. Um, and the best thing for anybody who has been abused is to bring it into life. So how do we do that? You know, it's, it's really scary. Um, um, can I tell someone? What will they say? Will the threats that have been made to me um, come about, if come about if I talk? Um, how do I trust someone? someone? Mm-hmm. Like you were saying before, yeah. you trust find someone you trust. Yeah. Now, Trust for an abused person can be zero. Zero. But you've got friends and and, and things like that. So you just sort of suss them out. You know, that's what I did. I sussed people out and thought, "Mm." because this desire within you to bring your values into the light becomes stronger than you. Um, But would you say that the desire to bring that into light can eventually become greater than your need to keep it? Absolutely, and fear of keeping it absolutely yeah. in the dark. Yep, absolutely. Um, and that was the case with me. I, I, I just didn't want to be here anymore. I knew that there was there was more. Um, for somebody who is approached by somebody who's abused, um, please listen to them. Please love them. Please accept them. Don't judge them. Yep. Just listen to them. You know, and, and that's the greatest thing that you can do. Also, it's not your agenda, it's theirs. Yep. So it's totally about them. Um, having experienced um, going to somebody and telling them and, and being an absolute and utter disaster, this is my, my point to you. So did you want to talk about that a little bit? Like, how, how did that feel? When, and you say it was a disaster. Hey, what was that look like? Um, it turned out that it was their agenda. Mm. It, and, and it wasn't about me, and it wasn't about trying to help me. It was about, oh, let's do this, you know. So you're giving advice, like, so very quickly, mm. rather than listening, it's kind of, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to fix you, we're going to get this, or how about that? It turned into actually another form of abuse. Wow. Yeah, and, and that was... Awful. Awful is not a good word, but it turned into another form. And bear in mind that this was happening when I was around about 30, that all all the memories in it came. And so um, I've come, just starting to remember about the abuse, Mm -hmm. these people come along and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea. It was just such an emotional You've obviously come a very, very long way from that place, mm. um, and you've quite generously offered to be quite vulnerable this morning and share your stories. Mm. Um, can we ask you to share your stories? Sure. Yes, sir. 
probably from about the age of three, I was sexually abused by my dad. Um, I think it stopped somewhere in my teenage years. Um, I don't want to remember. I'm choosing not to remember. What I do remember is that in my teenage years, I was in my bedroom getting changed and my father came into the room and I screamed, he's coming into my room! And I thought, why did I say that? You know, it just didn't, I thought that was a bit strange. Um, but I didn't, actually like what you were saying, mm. everything gets suppressed. Yeah. And um, I started remembering mm. and having flashbacks yeah. around that day. Yeah. You shared that with me a few weeks ago and I was totally blown away. I mean, nobody would ever think to look at you so well-dressed, well-presented, happy, that's right, bringing all the encouragement. I mean, really, really would have no idea what you've been through um, in your life. It's, yeah, it was that um, I choose not to be a victim, I yeah. choose not to lower it. Yeah. And yes, like you, I've been yeah. in that lowering situation. Yeah. I've got fabulous friends and family around me. Yeah. Won't let me. That's right. Yeah. But it hasn't been an easy journey. Yeah. It's not an easy journey. That you have, you've, you've done an incredible job with God's help. Um, you know, we say that you've had breakthrough. My question is, was it like an instant breakthrough, or was it more of a gradual sort of process? Oh, no, I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was yeah. just like Lazarus, raised yeah. from the dead. Yay! <laughs> but no, it's been a gradual, gradual thing. Um, it's taken a long time. It is still taking time. Mm. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm totally there yet. Absolutely not totally there. None of us are. But it's been an amazing journey. Yeah. It's been a slow journey. Sometimes you take 10 steps back. Sometimes you go a bit forward. But, um, yeah, no. Probably a good point to think of, you know, for somebody here today and you're thinking, well, you know, I'm on the other side of this. I'm on the, the pre-bringing it into the light side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it is probably worth saying, take stop. Have I got the people around me? Have I got the friends around me to stay the course with this? Um, this is not just you know, the last thing we want to do today is have a big whiz bang altar call, you know, a big emotional response, and then you go from here without the support um, and the things you need to help you get through this. Um, for that reason, um, Pastor Mandy has put together. Um, a pamphlet with different um, professional help that you can get, um, different organisations in, in all the different areas where you can get further help so that it's not just a once-off, you know, we're preaching something this week, but next week we're on to something else. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want you to feel like you've totally been lost, we're, we're just doing this to tick it off the list. You know, we really are concerned for your welfare. So take stock. Have I got the friends around me? Have I got the support? Um, you know, genuinely, if you don't have somebody that you feel you can do that, then come and see a pastor. But I would also say, if you do have friends, maybe don't come and see the pastor. Use your friends who you've sort of scoped out and uh, and you can trust. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, for your situation, Bob, it really was, um, you know, for me, it's just so painful to think that it was your own father who did that. And it can... That can bleed into, you know, what, what our own dad thinks of us and, uh, sorry, what, what God as our father is. How does that play out for you? He wasn't nice. Mm. I didn't like him very much. Yeah. And, you know, I thought that God was going to hurt me. Mm. I thought that he would just use me. I thought that, you know, that he's yeah. a big, you know, yeah. you know, not a nice man at all. 
us. Um, I remember one day being prayed for and Jesus coming into my life. And it was the best thing in the whole world, this freedom and this love and this acceptance. Um, and that was an anchor for me to go back to. Um, Jesus wasn't God as far as I was concerned. God was there. But gradually, over the time, I have now come to God loves me. God pays me. God, God has. He thinks the world of me, and He thinks the world of you guys. You know, right. it's not. He's not this big. Regardless of being yeah. yeah, it's funny. We we talking privately. We both said that. You know, this can be hard to understand, but in a way, it can be a blessing. When, when you go through abuse. So that, that's a big, tough thing to say. What we're not saying is that being abused is a blessing. Mm-hmm. What, what we are saying is that, you know, when, when you totally surrender to God and when God leads you to a place of healing, it can be a blessing because you do see God in a new light. Um, and you do have a different appreciation for friends and an appreciation for life that you possibly didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Last question uh, before we take you off the hot seat is... Um, yeah, we talked about Joseph openly grieving before. How, how have you openly grieved your situation? I don't like this question. <laughs> but that's okay. It's so close. It's the last question. Um, for me, it's been a journey. Um, because I sort of went from one extreme to another, my grieving mm. took the form of um, drinking, yep. um, eating. Speak to somebody who you think might be able to help you. Yeah. 
And one last thing that I would say to you, to the person who has perpetrated this against you, forgive them. And I'll go back to last week's thing, forgive them. It doesn't make what they did to you right, not in the slightest way, but it sets you free from the prison that they put you in. And that's my, the two greatest things that I would say about this, get out of the darkness into the light and forgive them. Forgive them, forgive them, because... Yeah, it, it, you're already put in fatal place. Yeah, you're already in this prison. Get out of there. You're not being there. Oh, Joseph, get out of Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think that deserves an applause. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you. Well, I'd love to be with you right now. Thank you very much. Give me an applause to you guys. Come on. Well done. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that point of forgiveness. You know, I think that even off my first point there with, um, you know, Joseph having an incredible sense of the bigness of God, him being able to say, you know, that you didn't put me here, God, you know, God allowed it to happen. That's that forgiveness. Really, he was able to forgive them because, you know, he's actually saying it's not you, it's God. And I find that incredible. Um, you know, I'm just gonna uh, I'm gonna end with this, uh, a bit of a story. I'm gonna have to skip to the end. Um, you know, I'm reminded. So I will say this. Before, I won't share that whole point, but I, I want to encourage you that uh, there is a book you can read. It's been it's a bit of a plug. Um, it's by Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and it's called Who Switched Off My Brain. Um, and it really does talk about the point that I was going to draw out of that. I'm sort of preaching my point. It's a much more condensed version is uh, that we can filter out our, um, our thought life. And maybe you've had a script that has played out for you in the negative. You know, God has given you the ability to filter some of those thoughts out and to intentionally choose to believe the positive things or, you know, the spiritual truths um, that God has got for you. So I encourage you, go and get that book from um, the bookshop or look, at, look for it online. You know, whatever you can do, get that book. I've read quite a portion of it. And it is incredible, really, really amazing. Now, some of you will be filtering even now. You, know, you might just be hearing blah, 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 blah from what I'm saying. You know, you do filter. You've got the ability. Let's turn that uh, into something that can really bring you a lot of benefit. Um, so I, I want to end with a bit of a story. You know, um, years ago, I think it would have been about maybe four and a half years ago, uh, we had this house and we had a... Uh, like a double garage with one of those big roller doors. And, um, you know, those motors, if anybody else has one of those automatic roller doors, they can be an absolute pain. The sensitivity can go on them, and, uh, you know, you can hit the button and it stops this far from the bottom. And it's a real pain. So I was just doing my, my weekend duties, and I got to that part, and I had two of the kids by myself. Um, I should have known better. Don't leave any of the kids with me. I had um, Damon, who uh, I think was about six. No, sorry, we about four at that, that age. Um, and I had Jonas, who was um, about 18 months. Um, and so I had the two little kids, and Jonas was inside just playing with some toys, and Damon was out there with me watching, watching Dad fix the roller door. And I was up on a, on a ladder, and I was pushing the button, and I, I was pushing it, looking over, and seeing where it would finish. And Damon was watching me, but he had his hand in the roller. Um, now, they are incredibly sharp. Um, and this fully heavy roller door, as I was setting the sensitivity, came down and crushed, um, sliced 
quite a poor feeling, and I won't go into full detail for obvious reasons, the squirming being one of them, plus I might pass out on stage. Um, but I just heard this scream, and I was like, oh, and, you know, if you, as a parent, if you ever witness your kids hurt themselves majorly, you know, I just quickly pushed it the other way, and I ran over to him, and he was crying, and there was blood everywhere, and it was just as open as you can get. Um, it was really bad. So I was panicking, and I ran to the freezer and grabbed the ice pack and stuff, the tea towel, and shoved it on his hand. I was like, here, take that. So I put him in the car, ran over and grabbed my other kid, picked him up. I didn't have any car seats, so I threw him in the front on the floor. Um, so front seat on the floor where I can see him, shut the door, and he crawl around the front seat. And then Damon was in the back. No seatbelts, nothing. I was like, rock, rock. So we flew around. I can't even remember the door shut itself. Anyway, the door did something. And um, we, we flew around, and the doctors got straight in and got him patched up and, you know, sorted him out. But uh, he was a little trooper, stood there, and, you know, got his things and didn't cry. And, you know, real stiff upper lip kind of child we've got there. But, you know, the, the point is that, um, that he was in a lot of pain. He was in excruciating pain. I mean, that's one of the worst things I've seen on uh, one of my boys. He was in so much pain. But you know what? I didn't go up and I didn't ridicule him because he was in pain. I didn't go up to him and, and, and give him a hard time. You know, how, how dare you? You know, just harden up. You'll be right. You know, I do that now if he's not in a serious amount of pain. You know, like we fall over, give him a rub, spit on it, give him a rub. But, yeah, I'm just being honest. Um, but he was in genuine pain, real proper pain. And I think what we do as Christians is we think we're just going to get the answer. You'll be right. You know, Jesus, he loves you. Isn't that enough? When actually what you need is to be able to say, you know what, I'm, I'm really hurting here. I'm, I'm in a lot of pain. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm struggling. You know, I've, I've been a pastor for a while. Um, I don't think how long. I'm but even for many years as a pastor, I was genuinely struggling. And what fixed me wasn't just, well, just preach another good message and just love God more and don't share with anyone, just keep being strong, keep going. That's foolishness. Can you imagine how evil I would be if I said that to my son? If I said to him, come on, well, mate, okay, you've got this big gaping wound, let's just think about positive things and keep going. You know, that wouldn't have worked for him. And it's not working for you. And some of you, I believe, it's just not working. You, you, you're trying to do the positive thing. You're trying to read. You're trying to maybe pray. Maybe you're trying to do the right thing. But emotionally, you're, you're stunted because you've been through something that you didn't ask for. And, you know, I want to encourage you today. We didn't treat as parents David differently. You know, for a while there, he had bandages and, um, you know, got plastic bags and dust taped it to his hands and get a shower and all kinds of weird, crazy things. You know, we made allowances for him and we will make allowances for you. That is what we are to do as a healing community who loves God and who is willing to walk people through um, to a different place. But, you know, for some of you, you haven't even shared it. You haven't actually said and confessed and brought it out into the light. And I want to encourage you to do that. It, is, it can be petrified. 
It can be scary to sort of say, I've been through something. But the alternative is that you don't reach your potential. The alternative is that you don't ever get to a place where where God can use you to your absolute full potential. You know, I have it on the screen, I missed it before, but I want to say it now. Oftentimes, God leads us to His purposes and to our destiny through darkness. He doesn't always lead us there through light. He actually leads us there through darkness. And oftentimes what we do is in the darkness, we, we kick up and we fight because we don't want to be weak. We want to be strong. But actually, sometimes we need to say, God, I just need to be weak because you're my father and I'm not going to take glory for what you do in my life. You know, and I want to reflect back to that picture of of God, our Father, holding our hand. You know, for all of our vibrato and, like, I'm doing okay and I'm tough and, you know, I can cope with this, I've got this. I, I believe that when we do that, when we go, I've got this, we've got closed hands. And we need open hands to say, God, walk me through you know, take me through. And what you'll actually find is that as you allow God to do that, you will feel strong. You will feel empowered. And that's the two sides of God, isn't it? He is both mighty, but He's also restrained. And he, he He's gentle to us when we need Him to be gentle. And so I want to encourage you today, maybe, maybe that's you. You know, what I want to do is, is leave some space open here, and this is not this is not the, the place that I want you to bring it into the light. Uh, maybe you know somebody. Maybe it's not even you. Maybe you've been the person who was the abuser. You know, forgiveness is so important. And, and I'll say this: that there's nothing that you can do that is stronger than the blood of Christ. If you repent and you change your ways, God can heal you and restore you just like he can the victim, God can restore the abuser as well. And so I just want to leave the front open for anybody here today who says, you know what, I just want the empowerment to make the right decisions. This isn't the time to say, well, here's my situation, here's the abuse, here's what's going on, as much as we'd love to, but you know, we probably can't get there. But maybe you've got a friend, and, you know, maybe you need to talk to somebody else, but what you definitely, definitely need what I need is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We need to, to pray for boldness for you. So I'm going to pray right now, and then we'll close, and, um, and I'll invite you to come. God, I just thank you for this morning. Um, Lord, we just, we just thank you for God. Lord, for her comments. God, for her honesty and her openness. Father, we pray that as we open ourselves to you today, God, you will make us a community who is honest. God, that you would make us a healing community because, God, we know that's who you are. Father, I just pray for anybody here today, God, who has been through suffering, who has suffered as a victim, Lord, in an abusive situation. God, whether that was many, many, many years ago, God, or whether it is current, Father, we pray for miracles today. God, we pray for lives to be changed because we know that you can. And you will to hold our hands. God, you will for us to humble ourselves 
and to reach out to our God who loves us so much. God, give us faith to believe that you are a good God and a good Father who loves us and you have a plan for our lives. Father, we just ask you this in Jesus' name.